Well, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we are forever people having faith in Him. Well, I'm going to describe our speaker this morning with a few physical attributes, first of all, and maybe you can guess who he is. His shoe size, well, let's just put it this way, if I lined up both of my shoes end to end, there'd still be two sizes left. <laughs> size 16. And uh, he's 15 inches taller than me. I'm used to people being a little bit taller than me, but 15 inches is a little ridiculous. And, uh, and this one really gets to me. The man has 17 grandchildren. And, and I, I, I'm super happy for you, but you have three kids and 17 grandchildren. I have three kids and six grandchildren. We got some work to do. We got some work to do. Our speaker today is uh, Baird Forrest, and we are grateful to have him with us. I think this is maybe your fourth time with us. Last time he was here at Fire Up the Grill, he drove in in a smart car, <laughs> and we grabbed a shoehorn and pulled him out, and uh, it was quite a, quite a great time. Uh, Bay has uh, been a professional athlete, playing with the Phoenix Suns and the NBA, and uh, we love him so much, and more than his physical attributes, by far are his spiritual attributes, because he has a gigantic heart for God, and so Bay... Welcome again to Calvary Baptist Church. We're so glad to have you here. Come on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if you're going to talk about my size 16, I ought to make you do a high five for sure, if nothing else there. I do have to explain, we have 17 grandchildren, but... We have three kids of our own and two kind of adopted kids, and we claim them as ours too. So there's really five. So Jordan, you don't have near the pressure that your dad was putting on you with that there. You, it's a little better than that with that part of it. My wife, when all of our grandkids come, and they'll be, here for, be there in Colorado uh, over the 4th of July, and when they're there, my wife calls it memory-making. <laughs> I call it insanity. It's just nuts. It's just crazy with all of them all over the place. But I'm honored to be here for your Father's Day celebration here. This is a great time for me to be a part of that. My daddy was my hero. The men the other night heard me say how for 40 years my daddy taught me how to live like a godly man, and then for two months he taught me how to die like a godly man. Had Jesus on his lips to his last breath. And he was my hero. He was the one that taught me that Jesus meant more than anything else at all in life. And so I'm honored to be a part of this, and I just want to affirm you in what you're doing uh, for this weekend with your car show and all that's going on. I, I know I'm, I'm just one of those ugly Americans down there, but I brag on you guys all the time. I seriously do. And I'm just so thrilled that Kelvin and Jen are here and so excited about them taking over now and him becoming the, uh, the lead pastor as Pastor Rick is moving on there. I don't think you guys, I don't think you know just how blessed I think you are with that. I honestly, and I was talking with Pastor Rick about it just a little bit ago, 
I tried to poach Kelvin and Jen away from you guys. I asked them to come join our ministry and be an evangelist with me. We've traveled together in South Africa and different places. He was an amazing contribution to ministry with me. And we saw thousands of kids give their lives to Jesus in the school. So I tried to get him to come away, but he said, I just think this is where God wants me. And you can't argue that one, can you? He pulled the God, God card on me. I can't believe it. He said, this is where God wants me. So, so I'm just excited for all of you that you have what's where, where you're headed towards all of this. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning for this Father's Day message. I love talking about Jesus' statements that he made, the sayings he had in the Bible. I, you know, all of this scripture is wonderful, but when Jesus is saying something, I just really like that. And one of the things I really appreciate, he used to really rock people's worlds with what he would say. And people are going, he said, what? what? And he would say that kind of stuff and people are going, how can he say that? And blowing people away with that there. One of the ones that he did that with that I think is just wonderful is from Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. And in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, and then even on into 26 is a great uh, verse as well. But in 24 and 25, Jesus stands in front of a bunch of people and he says, if anybody wants to be my follower, if you want to be a follower of mine, he says, you got to deny yourself in one of the translations that says, set aside your selfish ambition. He says, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And he goes on and he says, for whoever wants to lose their life will find it, but whoever loses their life for my sake, they're going to find that. If you want to keep your life, you're going to lose it. But if, you, if you're willing to lose your, your life, you will find life in Christ. Now, when he said that, there wasn't one person that heard him say, if you want to be a follower of mine, you got to take up your cross. They didn't go, what in the world is he talking about? Take up your cross. Oh, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Because during that time with the Romans being in charge, that was considered the most devastating way that you could punish someone and torture them was on a cross. So when he said, take up your cross, you know what he was saying, don't you? He was saying, if you want to be a follower of mine, you got to die. You know, I highly recommend you put that outside. Rick, Kelvin, put it on your signs out front. Come die with us. That goes big. You know, you really, you can really talk people into coming to your church when you say that, huh? Then you start sounding really weird, like you're some kind of cult that would do that. But it wasn't a spirit, a physical death that Jesus was talking about. He was talking about, we got to die to self. We got to stop making this all about us and we got to make it all about him. I started experiencing some of that die to self. I'd given my life to Christ watching my daddy when I was eight years old. I said, if daddy says Jesus is the answer, then I want him. Oh, dads, how important is it for you to live it in front of your kids? We got to live this thing so they can see it and go, my daddy has never, I used to say, my daddy never told a lie that I ever knew of in his entire life. So when my daddy says something, I can believe it. So dads, we've got to be those dads that they look at that way. Now I'm Papa for all our grandkids. And I chose Papa because Jesus is the one who called his daddy, Abba, Father. That's the, Papa is the closest thing I can come to that, to that Abba. And we've got to be those fathers and grandfathers that step up and let our kids go, I want to be like that when I grow up. That's the way I want to be when I'm a man. Oh, we got to do that. But when I was growing up, I'd given my life to Christ. And then 
as a junior and senior in high school, I was pretty successful. Uh, and before you think I'm telling how, man, I was amazing this and that, Kelvin was the best high school athlete I've ever known. He was a three, a varsity sport in three sports and just an amazing rugby player, all of that. But I was in basketball, a 6'8 as a junior, 6'9 as a senior, ended up 6'9 and 3'4, so it was just easier to say 6'10 with shoes on, I was 6'10. And so I was the high school All-American and I had 130 scholarship offers to every major university in the country, you name the school. And, and listen, if you think I'm bragging, <laughs> I'll be 69 on July 8th, okay? I'm an old has-been, I'm a nobody. I don't expect you to uh, go, wow, he was amazing or anything else. It was just back then, I was a pretty good player and I had a lot of opportunities. And so I've got the top schools in the United States that are all wanting me to come play for them. The number one that wanted me to come play for them was UCLA. They had a guy named John Wooden coaching them. John Wooden was voted the greatest coach in the history of basketball. Neat Christian man. They had just won 10, champion, 10 national championships in 11 years. And they'd had a guy named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar come play for them. Then they'd had Bill Walton come play, play for them. And they wanted me to come take Bill Walton's place. That was what was happening in my life. And I'm going, man, this is great. I'm going to be playing in the NBA. And so I'm trying to decide which of these schools I can go to. And what does God put on my heart to do? <laughs> uh, he says, I want you to go to little Grand Canyon College. It's now Grand Canyon University. But when I was there, 600 students in the school, dirtiest, ugliest little school you ever saw in your life in Phoenix, Arizona. And God says, no, go there, get a Christian education. I want you to be there. I'm so thankful my daddy had taught me the importance of you listen to God and you follow him no matter what he tells you to do because he's got a good plan. So I went to Grand Canyon, didn't realize that I'd be a three-time college All-American while I was there. We won the national championship my junior year and I was voted most valuable player. Now I'm gonna get to go in the NBA and I was drafted my junior year, but I stayed to finish my senior year. And then the Seattle Super Silence drafted me number 19 in the draft. That meant I was guaranteed I'm going in the NBA and I'm going, this is awesome, whoa. My wife's gonna drive the Mercedes 450 SL that we'd picked out for her already and all that kind of stuff. And what does God say? Um, I want you to turn down that contract with the Seattle Supersonics and play a year with Athletes in Action, a branch of Campus Crusade for Christ International. My contract back then, if it was today, would have been about five to $10 million to play for Seattle. And instead, God says, play for Athletes in Action. But it was okay because they gave me $10,000 a year to play for them. So it was a really good deal. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm going, God, really? That's what you want me to do? You want me to give all this up? I'm going to be a good witness for you. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. And it's like, God's going, uh, you going to trust me or not? I want you with athletes in action. I'm going to tell you something. Listen, God doesn't always do things the way we want him to, but he's got a plan in everything. I had no idea what he was doing. I played it for athletes in action. My backup centers were 7'2 and 6'11. Then I was 6'10. We were huge. And we, were, we became the best amateur team in the world. And everybody's going, who are these guys? And then the Phoenix Suns bought my rights from the Seattle Supersonics. And I signed a contract with them that was even bigger than that one. So God has a plan, but sometimes he wants us to sacrifice. He wants us to give something up because that's not the way he wants to do it. So if God's speaking to you about something and saying, hey, I'd like you to consider doing it this way instead of that way. Oh, listen, because he's got good plans for our lives. He loves us and he has nothing but the best for us in our lives. That's what I want us to talk about today. I want to talk about it, and this is not a message just for dads, okay? It's certainly not a message just for all of you that are car show guys. 
Buffs, you love that stuff. You love the classic cars. I was out there wandering around. I love those classic cars. But it's not just for that. This is, a, this is a message for everyone in here, from the youngest person that understands this message to the oldest person in here. I would really pray that you would be going, God, what do you have for me with this? What am I supposed to hear from this? Not a, boy, I hope so-and-so hears this. Don't we do that a lot of times? Yeah, they need to listen to that. I think we need to listen. We need to learn to pay attention and hear from God. So here's what I want you to remember this morning. I'm big on handles. I want you to walk away from this and have something you go, I remember he talked about this or that, whatever it is. I'm going to talk about four things this morning, and hopefully you'll you'll be reminded at some point and think about some one of them in particular. This morning, if we're going to be a true follower of Christ, if we're going to follow him and do it his way, if we're going to do what Jesus said, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember, don't forget the four gets. Okay, can we get that? Don't forget the four gets. So we're going to look at four gets. The first get is so important. I can't tell you how important this is. And this is for everyone because I am preaching in churches all over the world. And I was just in Ethiopia preaching uh, at a a big conference over there, 27,000 people there. And they needed it too, the same way that we need it here. I just came from a church of five, 6,000 last weekend that I was preaching in Fort Wayne, Indiana. They needed it. We all need this. The first get, get a life. Oh, we got to get a life. If we don't have a life, we have nothing. If we, if we get past the life, we go, yeah, oh yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm working on this one here. Don't work on anything else until you get a life. We have to have a life. We got to have that life in Christ. And oh, it's so important. I saw that with my wife. Before I'd ever date her, she wasn't a believer and I wouldn't date her, but I had my eye on her, let me tell you, in high school. And she was a senior in high school and some girl talked with her because Peg was really struggling. She was doing, dealing with some drugs and alcohol and stuff. Valedictorian of high school and college, super popular uh, cheerleader and gorgeous and all of that. But she was just having a hard time with life. And one of the girls from our youth group went to her, bless her heart, that girl from our youth group that did this and came and said, Peg, are you a believer? Are you a Christian? Peg was offended. She was like, well, of course I'm a Christian. I go to church every Sunday. <laughs> I believe in God. And I live in America. I got to be a Christian. That's what she thought a Christian was. She didn't know what a Christian was. She She didn't have a clue what it meant to know Jesus Christ. And when she had it explained to her what it meant to truly surrender your life to Christ, because lots of people say, I believe in God. But remember what James 2.19 says? (laughs) You say you believe in God? Good for you. So do the demons so much that they tremble at the very mention of God's name. Just because you believe in God doesn't mean you're saved. The devil believes in God. He knows exactly who he is, but that's not the kind of belief that we have to have. And if we understand what that belief is, then that changes everything. Because the belief that we have, that we're supposed to hold on to comes from John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, that's a different belief. That's the Greek word pistuo. It's also in Romans 10, 9. If we confess with our mouths, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. But that belief is different. That's not a, oh yeah, I believe Jesus came and he lived and he died. No, No. the belief that that's talking about is literally to lay your life into the hands of another person. It literally means, here you go, God, I'm not in charge anymore. You're in charge. I give my life to you. I put my faith and trust in you, and I die to what I want. It's all about you. Have you done that? Because see, that's what my wife had 
explained to her. And that night when she had that explained to her, you've never seen anybody get so saved. She just, she was looking, she was hungry, but she didn't know what it was. Her favorite verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. My wife will tell you, I was so radically saved. She said, I knew. As soon as I prayed that prayer, she was like, it changed everything. Now, I'm not saying that you have to have that kind of experience. I was eight years old and I didn't really understand all of that to where I was radically saved and changed as an eight-year-old, but I put my trust in God at that point and then he grew me in that. But if you're not at some point in your life where you are saying, God, I am all in, 100%, all yours, it's all about you and it is not about me. If you haven't done that, oh, you've missed on the most important get there is. And that's a disaster because we know Jesus says, I'm gonna end up saying to a bunch of people someday, get away from me, I never knew you. Yeah, I know you claim that you know me, but you don't know me. You haven't had intimate relationship with me. And my wife ended up with intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and it changed everything. I saw it when we were in Cuba. I was hoping Kelvin was gonna be in Cuba with me as well. We'd go down there and we, we train Cuban pastors and their wives. And we were, I, I, I take people down to do a lot of the training. My wife speaks to all of the ladies there. She speaks at conferences all over the world. By the way, I'm in big trouble if I don't say this. She said, tell those ladies at Calvary how much I love them. And she wanted me to greet you. So she sends her love. My wife's traveling way more than I do, speaking at women's conferences. And she was speaking to the ladies but then I was preaching on Sundays and we went to one church, it was kind of a cool church, little dinky thing, there's probably a hundred people there. And it was outside and they had a parachute over the top of the area, over the palm trees, the banana trees and everything. There's goats walking through the middle while I'm speaking. I just love that kind of stuff. Come, been in Africa for five years, that was just amazing anyway. So I preached there and that morning, a bunch of people got saved, probably, 50 people, 60 people of the, of the church gave their lives to Jesus. And at the end of the time, there was a woman pastor there. A lot, of, a lot of the places there, they don't even have enough men to be able to handle all the churches. They got a lot of house churches and that kind of thing. And this woman came up at the end, the pastor, and she said, this morning when I got up, I asked God, would you please do a miracle in our church? Would you do a miracle with our people? And she started to weep and she said, and I've watched it happen this morning. But then she said, but I didn't know that the miracle would be done in me. And she dropped to her knees in a dress in the dirt and put her hands over her head. And it would, this was all in Spanish. And so we had an interpreter for us as well. I speak Spanish, but not enough to preach in it. And at the end, she dropped to her knees and she said, es un milagro, es un milagro. It's a miracle. It's a miracle because she was the miracle. God saved her, the pastor of the church. She realized, I know all about him, but I don't have that relationship with him. Oh, we've got to have a life. We got to get a life. So the first one's get a life. The second, <laughs> get all you can. Oh, we like that one, don't we? Get everything you can out of life. That's what the, the, the world tells us. You gotta get everything you can. They say, get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the lid. That's what they tell you to do. You know, get everything you possibly get. That's not what I'm talking about. To get all you can, oh, we gotta figure out a way to get everything we can that God has for us in this life. 
You're doing it right now. You're here. You're coming and you're worshiping together and we're learning about how much God loves us and relationship he has with us. But it's not just here. I'm amazed at how many people think you can come and give them your hour or two on Sunday and then everything's okay after that. No, we got to get all we can every chance we get. Are you having a quiet time daily? Are you spending time in the word? Do you love this book? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not be ashamed, that rightly handles or divides the word of truth. We got to study this book. Are you in the word of God? Are you studying? I, that's so important that we're doing so. And it's not just on our own, but then we have to have those times, whether it's a life group, a small group or whatever. And I know this church does that. You need to be in a small group that's encouraging you and pushing you to grow and be more like God wants you to be. People you can relate to and share things with, pray together. Second Timothy 3 verse 16 says, all scriptures inspired of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. All of it's good. And we need to be in this book and we've got to be studying. We've got to be listening to God and learning from him. One of my favorite verses is from Philippians chapter four, verse eight. I love Philippians four, eight. And I love it in the Phillips translation best because it says, fill your minds with those things that are good and that deserve praise. Things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. Now I'm going to ask you this morning, what are you filling up on? Because I'm amazed how many people spend a ridiculous amount of time on this on Facebook or checking the internet for this or that or watching movies or listening to music that most of it, if you're, listen, if you're not listening to Christian music, you're listening to a bunch of stuff that is anything but loving God. And we spend all our time doing that and we have a hard time finding time for five or 10 minutes for a quiet time in the morning. And then we say, oh, but I love him more than anything, really. We love him more than anything, and we can't find time to spend with him. I'm, this isn't a guilt trip. This is just, that's just the way it is. What you love, you're going to spend your time doing. That's what, whatever you're thinking about all the time, whatever you're participating in all the time, that's what you really love. And we got to figure out how to love God and make him a major part of our lives. Are you doing that? Are you participating in this church? What a church for that. I consider this one of the strongest, best churches I've ever been in in the world. And I go to churches all over the world. And this is one of the best because you guys are doing it and you have it available for you. But if you're going and thinking, yeah, I just come and hang out, you know, and it's a pretty good church. I like the music and all. And you do that, but you're not involved in growing and becoming who God's called you to be. You're missing out on so much. And God has so much more for you. So we got to get a life. We got to get all we can. This is a good one. Oh, I can sure talk to you guys about this get dirty. Oh, we got to get dirty. I'm seeing it happen today. I saw all the helpers, all the ones that were feeding a group this morning for breakfast, the people that have been doing all the work, setting all this stuff up, getting dirty. I'm talking about being a servant, having a servant's heart, helping others, making sure you're participating and doing your part to make sure that this church is working smoothly in a way that brings honor and glory to God. I'm sad that I've even had to talk about it a couple of times, but I bet it's a lot of the times it's, it's here too. Probably not the same percentage. Typical percentage in churches, we call it the 20-80 uh, principle. 20% of the people do 80% of the work in the church. 
And the others go, this is great, man. That church just provides. They do all kinds of good stuff. I love coming and participating with it. But are you doing your part? Are you a part of that too? Are you getting dirty? Are you doing what God would have you do? And Jesus is such a great example of that. Remember just before he's on the cross, he's met with all of his disciples. And what does he do? He gets out a pail of water and he gets a towel and he washes all of their feet. Dirty, nasty feet he's washing. He's washing their feet, just being a servant. That's what the servants, the slaves did. And Jesus is doing that. Here's what blows me away. One of those guys, he washed their feet. Does it surprise you at all? It was Judas. And he knew he was God and he knew exactly what Judas was about to do. In fact, just after in John, when it talks about him washing feet, right afterwards it says, and then Judas went out to discuss how he could get Jesus arrested. Jesus knew that. And what did he do? He just got down and loved on him anyway. We don't love on the people. We don't serve the people that we really like, just them. No, we serve those that maybe aren't that lovable. Maybe they're the ones that, I don't know, they're kind of, they're not like me. They're a little dirty or they're this or that. And somehow we think that we don't have to, to love on them. Oh, it's so good to see what you guys are doing here. You're loving on people. You're loving on them saying, no, we want you to know this Jesus too. And we need to participate in that. Church about this size in Pennsylvania that I've spoken at a couple of times. I've done their wild game banquet. It's so great. I know there's a lot of you in this uh, church that are into hunting and all of that kind of thing. And there they have a wild game banquet and they can, can't do it in one night. They have to do it in two nights because they can only get 500 people in to serve them a meal. So they bring 500 people for one night and then they 500 people the next night and they feed them venison meatloaf and pulled pork and they just do the most amazing desserts and all the stuff. And then they bring somebody in to speak to them and to challenge them. And because of my background in the NBA and all, but as well, I was a pretty serious outdoorsman. And I ran an outfitting business where I took people in the high country on pack trips and I've killed bull elk with a bow and, and I've hunted all my life. And so I could go in and talk to them these people worked hard, man. They're in a warm, hot kind of kitchen where they're doing all the work for this. And just they're serving and they're smiling. Just what I saw of all the servers downstairs for the, the uh, breakfast that we had just a little bit ago. They're doing all of that. And then I got to just, I had the chance to just preach the gospel to them and share the good news. At the end of those two nights, we had over 100 people come and give their lives to Jesus. Most of them were men or women that were outdoors people. They weren't coming to that church otherwise. They didn't have any interest, but they loved that concept. They do turkey calling and seminars and things that they do that's a part of all of it. And they went, this is great. They're speaking my language here. That's what the apostle Paul said. He said, I've learned to be all things to all men so I can lead some of them to the Lord. I'll figure out a way to do it. So we do whatever it takes to reach people that way. That's getting dirty. Oh, we got to get dirty. We got to figure out a way to love on other people. Listen to what it says in Philippians chapter three, because this is Jesus' heart in serving. Philippians chapter three, Philippians chapter two, verse three uh, through verse seven, it says, don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Oh, I love what this says in verse five. 
Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. Goes on in verse eight and says, and in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. What an example Jesus is for us of how to serve others. That's what we gotta be doing. We gotta figure out how can I reach my friends? Well, let's figure out ways that we can relate to them and then let's love on them and let's see if we can't pack this place out like this for two services on a Sunday. It's kind of fun to see this one happening because last time I was here, I said, I'm gonna pray you guys run into a real problem. I pray you run into a problem where you don't have enough room for all the people that wanna come and be a part of this service. It's happening. You're running out of room. You're getting bigger and bigger. And that is a good thing because you're reaching your community and there are people that desperately are looking for Jesus. They just don't know it yet. They don't know what they want, but they got this emptiness and this hole in their heart and they're going, something fill this. I saw that when I was playing pro ball and my teammates are filling it with alcohol and drugs and money and women and all this stuff. And it was going right out the backside of them. They're going, there's gotta be more. And they needed Jesus was the answer for that. And we have that answer. So we get a life, we get all we can, we get dirty, finally, <laughs> get real. Oh, we've got to get real. We have to be real and make sure that we're willing to admit where we're at and to say, this is me. This is who I am. And I'm ready to make some changes in my life. I was speaking in uh, Nova Scotia, uh, New Brunswick Bible Institute, cool place, great uh, great. I've spent, spoken there many times and they have a, a wonderful Bible Institute, but they also do a really good youth conference there. And it's about 400 kids or so that at this is all they can get into the place and house them and all. And I had spoken at this youth conference and God really moved. We had over a hundred kids get saved. And so we're praising God for that. And afterwards, one of the pastors came up with his youth group and he's so proud of them. And he's going, man, look at this. 80% of my kids gave their lives to Jesus and the kids were so excited. Some of them were just weeping and it's clear that God definitely moved in their hearts. And I was praising God with them for that and that was the end of it. One of my pet peeves in speaking, please don't do this to me. People come up and they go, remember me? <laughs> I just go, no, I'm old. I'm sorry, I don't. You know, I, I, I used to say, yeah, tell me. Oh, you know, no, I don't do that. I just, I'm sorry. I, I just don't remember people. I wake up in the morning sometimes and go, whoa, who are you looking at my wife? I mean, I just can't pick up on faces or anything else. I'm just not, I'm just an old man. You know? But this guy came back to a, a pastor's conference a couple of years later and he came up to me. And fortunately, it was one of those where I could do it. He said, hey, babe, do you remember me? And I said, aren't you the pastor of that youth group from a Baptist church that came from Nova Scotia over there and, and, and a bunch of your kids got saved? And he said, yeah. He said, it's changed their lives. It's been unbelievable. I'm, I'm seeing what that's done with our, uh, with our youth and it's grown and they're just growing in the Lord and all. And then he put his head down and he said, and it should have been me. And I said, really? tell me. And he said, Bay, when you explained what it meant to put full confidence and full trust in God, to intimately know him and surrender your life to him, 
I knew I hadn't done that. I'm preaching this to my congregation and I hadn't surrendered my life to Jesus that way. I, I couldn't believe that because I'd seen my brother as the worship leader of our church at age 30 that stood in front of our entire church like this and said, it's a lie. It's a lie. I've got him here, but I've never put him here. And that night he gave his life to Jesus and he'll tell you I was lost and going straight to hell as the worship leader of our church. So I understand that. And this guy said, Bay, I'm embarrassed to admit, but he said, I knew I was lost. I knew I needed Jesus, but I was so prideful because I didn't want anybody to know as a pastor that I didn't have what I'm preaching to everybody else about. And he said, for about two or three months, can you believe it? I found myself willing to go to hell because I didn't want my people to know that I didn't have what I claimed to have. And all of a sudden he went, what am I doing? doing this is insane. And he said, I prayed and surrendered my life to Christ. And he said, hey, it's changed everything. My ministry's changed. Everything about this has changed for me. And I just had to tell you, thank you for preaching the truth that it's not just knowing about Jesus, it's knowing Jesus that counts. And that's what I would close with this morning. Have you been real? Are you getting real? Are you honest enough to admit that maybe you don't have what everybody in the church is talking about that's so great? I am I'm watching our churches are filled with all kinds of people that know all about Jesus and are lost and don't know Jesus. We've seen about 30,000 people give their lives to Christ since we've come back from Africa where I was there with Kelvin. Of those, I'd say 20 to 25,000 of them were people inside the church. There are people that are there and apart going, I'm good, I'm here all the time. And then they realize, I don't know this Jesus you're talking about. This morning, do you know this Jesus we're talking about? Have you intimately surrendered your life to him and said, here you go, here you go, God. Some of you may be here like my, my wife before she knew about that. She didn't have a clue what it meant to be a Christian. And maybe that's where you're at. Or maybe you've been around all along, like my brother went to a Christian college with me. We sang in a Christian singing group together. I heard him tell other people how they could give their lives to Jesus, but he didn't know him himself. And he'll tell you, I was lost and going straight to hell as the worship leader of my church. He said, I almost missed out on eternal life by about 12 to 14 inches from here to here. He said, I knew all about him, but I didn't know him and I hadn't surrendered my life to him. And this morning, that's what I would want to challenge you with. Are you ready to get real with God? And to say, God, I need that. That's what I want in my life. I'm not trying to talk anybody into anything because uh, Jesus is the one that said, unless the spirit of God draws somebody, they can't get saved. Unless the father draws them, you don't get saved. You don't get to choose. Yeah, I think I'll do that sometime. You, if God's speaking to your heart, you better deal with it because you don't get to pick the time. God picks the time and puts it on your heart. And if God's speaking to you this morning, you know, even right now he's saying, you know that's for you. You know you've been a part of this church. I saw an 80-year-old elder in a church. He'd been an elder for 50 years in the church. And when we gave an invitation, he came weeping, limping to the front, knowing he didn't know this God that he's been an elder of the church for all those years. And at least he was willing to get real. So as we close this service, I just want to give you a chance. How Cruel would it be for me to finish at this point and say, well, Lord bless you guys. Hope everything goes okay. See you. I'm going back to Colorado. 
Well, that'd be disastrous. I want to give you a chance. If you have not dealt with this, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you go right now, you're thinking, I think God's talking to me about this. I think this is for me. And I'd just like you to bow your heads wherever you're at right now. Please, all I ask, bow your heads and please don't talk to somebody else. You may not be interested, but right now, if God's speaking to somebody else, how dare you distract them from what God wants to do in their life? So right now, would you just listen if God's speaking to you? And you'll know. For some of you right now, oh, isn't it good? Because God's telling you, you know you're mine. You've given me everything. You've put all your trust in me. You love me and I love you and I'm so proud of you. Oh, isn't that good? And if that's where you're at, then just thank him for the fact that you know you're saved and you have surrendered your life fully to him. And now pray for those that maybe don't understand or haven't experienced that. But for others of you right now, you may be in a position where you're going, I don't know. I'm not sure if I've really got that or not. Or maybe you this morning would say, I certainly don't have that. But I came this morning just to sort of check this stuff out and I clearly see there's more to this Christianity thing than what I saw. And I know I don't know God intimately, but I'd sure be interested in doing so. If this morning that's where you're at and you would sense God speaking to your heart and tugging on your heart saying, please do this. I love you. I sent my son to die on a cross for you. I care for you and I don't want you to miss out on what I have. And if you're hearing Jesus speak to you saying, I don't want to say someday, get away from me. I never knew you. I want to say, welcome, come on in. You're mine. If right now God's speaking to you, I just want to give you a chance. You can make that right this morning, right now, if you're ready to surrender and give your life to Jesus, there is no better time than right now for you to deal with that. And if this morning you would say, Bay, if you'd walk me through that, I'd sure like to pray and make sure. Maybe you're saying, I don't know, Bay. Do you really want to go through life wondering and hoping everything's okay? Or would you like to know? First John chapter five, verse 13, Jesus said, or the, the Bible says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants us to know that we're saved and have eternal life. And he wants you to know that this morning. And if you'd like to pray and make sure on that this morning, I want to give you a chance to do so. And I'm going to lead in a prayer. And I'm going to give you a chance just to pray it quietly in your heart. You don't have to stand up, pray it out loud, do anything like that. God reads your heart and your mind perfectly. And he can listen to every one of us at the same time. And he doesn't get confused. He's listening in China right now too. And if you'd like to speak to God right now about this and ask him to minister in your heart, I want to give you a chance right now to pray that prayer. I'm going to pray it out loud. But listen, I'm going to tell you right now, don't you dare say, yeah, I think I'll give that a try. We don't try Jesus. No, we say, God, I got nothing else. I don't know what else to do but to surrender to you. And I know it says in your word that you want me to do that, to put all of my confidence, all of my trust in you, put true belief in you. So God, that's what I'm doing right now. So if that's where you're at, I want to give you a chance to pray that prayer, just sincerely saying, God, this is me wanting to be right with you. You may know all along that my brother said, I knew something was missing. I couldn't figure it out. Maybe that's where you've been. You go, I've just known something was not right, but I haven't figured out, I hadn't figured out how to deal with it. And if right now you're ready to make sure, oh, I want to give you a chance to pray that prayer and do so. So let's pray together right now. I'm going to pray out loud. You pray quietly in your heart if you would agree with this prayer and this is what you'd want for your life right now. God, I've been listening to what Bay's been saying and to tell you the truth, I, I think I'm a lot like his wife was before she was saved or 
like his brother or like that pastor in Cuba or that pastor in Nova Scotia. I've known all about you, but God, I realize now I've never said, here, God, take my life. It's all yours. Anything you want, I'm with you. I'm dying to myself, to what I want out of life, and I'm going to do it your way. You just show me what you want. Give me the strength and the ability to do so, and I'll do it your way. So God, right now, I want to thank you as our heavenly father. Thank you that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for me. That's unbelievable that you would do that, your perfect son, and you sent him down. And Jesus, I want to thank you because you weren't forced to come. You said, Daddy, I'll go. Papa, I'll do it. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me enough to come down, live a perfect life, and then die a brutal death on a cross, and then overcome death, come back to life to prove that you have conquered death and sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for doing that for me. So right now, Jesus, you said if I'd ask you, if I'd put my belief, my faith and trust in you, you promised you'd come and live inside of me through your Holy Spirit. So right now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to come and take up residence in me. I want you to be Lord and master of my life. I'm not in charge anymore. It's all about you. You just tell me what you want and I'll follow you in obedience the best I can if you'll give me the the strength and the help to do that too, because I can't even live for you unless you do it in me. So I'm asking for that right now. And Jesus, you promised you would, so now I'm thanking you. I'm gonna thank you right now. You said you'd save me if I put my trust in you, and I'm thanking you right now. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, Father God, for receiving me as your child. And now I can call you Abba, Papa, Daddy. Thank you, you love me that way. Now would you help me live for you? I praise you and I love you. And I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Would you keep your heads bowed right now? Listen, we're, we're done except for this, but I want you to listen to this. Oh, if you just prayed that prayer, you just prayed the greatest prayer of your life. And you might say, well, I don't know. I wasn't sure. Do you want to go ahead and celebrate? that you have what you know you needed in your life because now you know for sure that's a good place to be. And I wanna be the first one to say, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Oh, you've made the best decision you'll ever make in life. But I want you to hear one more thing. Talked with the men about it the other night, and this is so important. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32 and 33. He said, whoever acknowledges me before men, him will I acknowledge before the Father. In other words, he says, if you're not ashamed of me and you'll speak up for me and let people know where you stand with me, I will stand up for you before the Father someday. But then he goes on and he says, but whoever denies me before men, him will I deny before the Father. In other words, if you're ashamed of what you've done or you're embarrassed to let people know that you've given your life to Jesus, he says, don't count on me standing up for you. But if you'll speak up for me, I'm here for you and you can count on me. Right now, if you prayed that prayer this morning, and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to give you a chance to start acknowledging Jesus. I'm going to do it in a really easy way. I just want to pray for you. But I don't know who to pray for unless you start acknowledging Jesus. And this morning, if during this time you would say, Bay, thank you. I think I was a lot like your brother, or I was a lot like your wife, or I was a lot like that pastor, or whatever. 
If you prayed that prayer and gave your life to Jesus this morning, and you're ready to start saying, I don't care who knows, I am not ashamed, from the youngest person in here that understands that to the oldest person that needed to make that right with God, if this morning you prayed that prayer, I don't wanna do one of these, just stick your hand just a little up there. I want you to get your hand up in the air right now that I can pray for you. Let me see your hands right now. Come on, yep, yep, I'm seeing them all over. Yeah, come on, come on, get your hand up because I want to I wanna see it. I'm going, there you go. Yeah, thank you, sir, in the back. That's awesome. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Yeah, over here. Anybody else? I don't want to miss one. That's a, yeah, okay, thank you. God bless you guys right in the middle there. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Man, that's awesome. Thank you, brother. Wonderful. There's got to be 15, 20, 25 people in here all over with their hands up. Yes, I see over there. God bless you, sister. That's wonderful. Over here, I see a yes in you. I just wanted to see so that I can pray for all of you there. Anybody else that hadn't put their hand up, just put it up now so I know, so we can see probably 25, 30 people in here. I'm sorry, I wasn't looking up in the, in the balcony. Yeah, okay, I'm looking here now, all right? Yes, God bless you. Thank you for putting your hand up there. That's awesome. Yes, way back there, I see you. Thank you, brother, that's awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's pray together. Yes, I see you back over in this corner too. Okay, I wanna pray with you. God, I thank you, there must be 25, 35 people in here that have put their hand up and they put it high saying, I want to do that. I want it to be all about Jesus. I want to honor him. And God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would just, would you just sort of wrap your arms around him, give him a big old daddy hug right now and just tell him, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for doing that and for not being ashamed of me. And God, I pray that you just now encourage them and help them to grow. They are in the perfect church to be challenged and pushed and helped to grow. And I pray that you will continue to draw them to yourself, plug them into the right situations that they need to be in. But more than anything, God, right now, I pray that you'd give them a peace and a joy that they know I'm right with God. He's my daddy, my papa. And I can go to him and he's promised. He's listening and he is there for me to bless and to help me be who he wants me to be. Thank you, Lord, for each of these that have prayed this morning. I pray that you would bless them. And now God, as we close out this service, I just pray that you'd be honored with what we do in the next two minutes as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I told you there were four gets. Sorry, there's five, because we do have one more. Don't forget the four guests, but the fifth one, get going. See, we got to get going. If we don't get going, then we don't, if you don't take what you've got, for some of you, you're right with God. You know you're right with God this morning. You've done that, but maybe God's spoken to you about, you need to get more involved in getting dirty. You want to be one of the, instead of it being 2080, it's, man, most everybody in our church is doing something. This is great. They're serving. You need to be willing to do that as well but maybe it's on get all you can. You need to get in a small group. You need to be in a better Bible study or you for sure you ought to be having a quiet time. Make sure that you start applying that. Get going with those things like that. And then I wanna close in challenging you with one final thing. This one's a challenge. Now I get to find out. I love talking with kids because they're saying, you tell me what you want me to do, I'll do it. I'll be a warrior, I don't care. Because they're, they're always saying, I'll tell them, God's looking for warriors, not wimps. He wants warriors. He wants people that are saying, I don't care, I'm doing it. I'm gonna challenge you as adults. A bunch of you are adults in here. There were some kids as well, but there were mostly adults that were in here. I'm gonna challenge you with something. You just made a decision for Christ and you can say, yeah, well, but I, you know, I was just making sure on that. I don't think anybody needs to know. Yes, they do. 
Yes, they do. You need to make sure that you share that where you, people are gonna help you grow and push you further. And we have these, and I know they're for visitors. I don't care on the back of it. It says, we have a place for you. And they do, they got a place for you in all of this. Here's what I wanna challenge you. There's these behind every seat. And here's what I want you to do. If you prayed and you prayed that prayer and sincerely gave your life to Christ today, and you know now that you are, this is one of the best ways I know to drive a stake in the ground and say, this is done. This is done and I know that I've done so and I don't have to wonder about this anymore. And the best way I can think of that to happen, fill this thing out and come up here. There's gonna be pastors and people at the front, aren't there? That you can come up and you can just put it right up here on this at whatever point you want to, but give it to them. They are not gonna hound you. They're not gonna say, oh good, now we can get all your money. That's not what they're gonna do. They just wanna help you grow. They wanna help you be who God's called you to be. So please, if you were serious about that, that prayer you prayed this morning, you say, that's me. And I'm gonna tell you, let's take it one more step. Men, on Thursday night, there were about eight or 10 of you that indicated and you said, I prayed that prayer. If you did, pull out one of these cards and be a man and step up and say, yeah, me too. Me too, I did and I am ready to go, I'm all in. I'm all in and ready to serve him any way God calls me to do so. If this church gets serious about acknowledging Jesus, that'll be the greatest thing that'll ever happen in this church. And when I talk about Jesus says he'll acknowledge us the same way, someday we're all gonna stand before God I'm excited about that day. Because I'm gonna come in and say, here I am, God, I know you're excited to see. Oh no. When I stand before God, first of all, I'm going here. And then I'm going here. Before my God and my Savior. And you know what I'm counting on happening at that point? I'm counting on Jesus, who's seated at the right hand of the Father, coming over, grabbing me by the shoulders, lifting me up and looking at the father and saying, it's okay, daddy, this one's with me. This one's with me. It's nothing I can do. I can't pray enough, go to church enough, read my Bible enough, love enough, give enough. I can't do anything enough, but it's been done for me already by Jesus and it has for you as well. And if you will acknowledge him, he is ready to acknowledge you too with a, it's okay, daddy, this one's with me. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for how you moved in hearts this morning. Now would you move in hearts and give them courage and the willingness to say, I don't care. I want people to know. I want people to know I'm all in now. This is all about Jesus. Everything I do, I'm gonna to try to serve him with all I possibly can and bring him glory. God, would you do that and grow this church? I pray the next time I come up here, they're going, you're not gonna believe what's been happening. And we can just continue to give you honor, glory, and praise for what you're doing. We love you and we praise you. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus and for your sake. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for letting me share it with you.